This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. So in today's episode, we've finally moved on to letter number 18 on worldliness and retirement. And at first glance, it seems as though Seneca is talking to another person. You know, he's saying from the start, I leap for joy whenever I receive letters from you. Uh, But when you get into the depth of the letter, it it certainly seems as though he's talking to himself. You know, it seems as though he's uh, discussing this life that he's had where he has had kind of a a quick rise to fame and renown. Uh, And now he's looking to leave that world behind and move into a life of quiet uh, leisure and retirement. And he's thinking about, you know, how he can kind of uh, tear himself or the reader away from these these uh, desires that we have to cling uh, to the life that we were living before and to cling to the, uh, whether it's to the fame or the fortune or the money or, um, or the power, whatever it is that we are leaving behind by moving toward a life of quiet and a life of leisure uh, and, and, of course, of, of seeking philosophy of wisdom for Seneca. And so, uh, it's, it's an interesting letter. It, I would say that we really get into the philosophical lessons around verse 4, but I'm going to read through and we'll see how far we get today uh, and, uh, and see what we can take away from this. So, anyway, he says, quote, I leap for joy whenever I receive letters from you, for they fill me with hope. They are now not mere assurances concerning you, but guarantees. And I beg and pray you to proceed in this course. For what better request could I make of a friend than one which is to be made for his own sake? If possible, withdraw yourself from all the business of which you speak. And if you cannot do this, tear yourself away. We have dissipated enough of our time already. Let us in old age begin to pack up our baggage. Surely there is nothing in this that men can begrudge us. We have spent our lives on the high seas. Let us die in harbour. Not that I would advise you to try to win fame by your retirement. One's retirement should neither be paraded nor concealed. Not concealed, I say, for I shall not go so far in urging you as to expect you to condemn all men as mad and then seek out for yourself a hiding place and oblivion. Rather, make this your business that your retirement be not conspicuous, though it should be obvious. In the second place, while those whose choice is unhampered from the start will deliberate on that other question, whether they wish to pass their lives in obscurity, in your case, there is not a free choice. Your ability and energy have thrust you into the work of the world. So have the charm of your writings and the friendships you have made with famous and notable men. Renown has already taken you by storm. You may sink yourself into the depths of obscurity and utterly hide yourself, yet your earlier acts will reveal you. You cannot keep lurking in the dark. Much of the old gleam will follow you wherever you fly. End quote. 
Okay, so I want to stop there for a moment because I'd like to pick apart a few pieces that really stand out to me that can give us some context for why I think that he is actually talking to himself here. Because he's very, he's very sneaky with his letters, right? He starts by saying, I leap for joy whenever I receive letters from you. Right? So you're thinking, okay, cool, he's talking to somebody else. But as we know, Lucilius was a person who was only known in Seneca's writings. There's no other proof that he existed. Uh, but the life of Lucilius that Seneca's describing here when he's talking to him about leaving his life and, and going into retirement... This life that he's describing is very similar uh, to how Seneca had lived his life, you know. Uh, and so, there are a few pieces that I want to point out here that I, I think are very interesting. But before I do that, there's one point that I think really sets the tone for the letter. And he's talking about, you know, uh, leaving things behind and going into retirement. He says, says uh, if possible, withdraw yourself from all the business of which you speak. And if you cannot do this, tear yourself away. We have dissipated enough of our time already. And he goes on to say uh, that we have spent our lives on the high seas. Let us die in harbour. All right, so he's saying to Lucilius or to himself, uh, you know, that, listen, we've spent enough of our time on the high seas in the treacherous waters of the ocean, right? Which is a common analogy that he gives, right? He always uses this analogy of the rough seas, but then coming back to harbour. Harbour is that safe place. Uh, you might even consider harbour to be that place that, that he goes to when he is able to spend his time in this pursuit of wisdom and of philosophy, right? Uh, that is harbour to him uh, when he is away from the treacherous ocean of the uh, of the the public life which he was thrust into as he says later on but you know this analogy is very fitting because the life that Seneca would have been living while he was advising Nero uh, you know high stakes in the uh, the Roman political life right uh, man to liken that to uh, to a rough sea is an understatement you know, the people who would have been trying to get things off him, the people who are trying to deceive him, uh, you know, these these treacherous people who he had to work with all the time, uh, you know, it would have been exactly like being on a, on a boat in a very stormy sea and being very unsure of if you're going to make it through, uh, which he eventually didn't, right? He, he didn't make it through because uh, he was convicted and, uh, and sentenced to death by suicide. And so, this analogy of rough seas and, and retiring into the safe harbor is something that Seneca truly desired to do um, and, uh, and managed to do for a little while. And then just a few lines down, uh, he really gives us a clue that he is talking about himself, or at least it can be likened to himself, right? Because he says, your ability and energy have thrust you into the work of the world. And he says, renown has already taken you by storm, right? And so, this is a theme that goes throughout the letter where he's kind of talking about how, uh, you know, himself or Lucilius, you know, has been thrust into this world from a very young age. And, uh, and only now is able to find some sort of respite from this stormy sea that they've been thrown into, right? And, and I think that it's, it's, it's really fitting that he uses this because Seneca had that life, right? He really had that life where he was thrown into public life from early on. Uh, he was highly trained, very talented as an orator and as a speechwriter, uh, you know, very wise. And so, you know, he had this public renown. He knew many very powerful people. Uh, and, and uh, of course, was the uh, advisor to the Emperor Nero. So, this is a guy who was really thrust into this world. And 
and and he says that your ability and energy have thrust you into this. And I think that that is a really appropriate way of looking at it, right? Because, you know, sometimes we can look back at our lives and we can regret the fact that we did certain things or that we made certain decisions. But if you really think about it, I, I mean, look, we all have these uh, natural abilities or we have these things that we're drawn to or um, these paths that we're on, and we don't really get to choose ultimately uh, uh, where that path takes us. Uh, but the energies within us and the and the talents and the and the skills that we have kind of pull us in this direction. And he's recognizing that, uh, you know, perhaps this fame that he had, this renown that he had, wasn't necessarily all just to do with him trying to become something, but that's just the natural energies and the, and the, and the talents and the abilities that he had. And that's the direction that he went. And now he's looking to find safe harbor away from that life. And another interesting point before we move on and keep on reading, uh, he says that you may sink yourself into the depths of obscurity and utterly hide yourself, yet your earlier acts will reveal you. You cannot keep lurking in the dark. Much of the old gleam will follow you wherever you fly. You know, so this is a recognition that ultimately he's not going to be able to fully remove himself from the fame and renown that he has achieved, right? It's always going to be there. It's always going to be searching for him, catching up with him, but he's going to try and do his best, right? So anyway, he goes on and he keeps on saying, quote, Peace you can claim for yourself without being disliked by anyone, without any sense of loss, and without any pangs of spirit. For what will you leave behind that you can imagine yourself reluctant to leave? Your clients? But none of these men courts you for yourself. They merely court something from you. People used to hunt friends, but now they hunt pelf. If a lonely old man changes his will, the morning caller transfers himself to another door. Great things cannot be bought for small sums. So reckon up whether it is preferable to leave your own true self or merely some of your belongings. Now I want to stop here because this is a very, very interesting point that he's making. So Seneca, having spent so much time around people in all kinds of circumstances with all kinds of power, right? He really understood the dynamics of human relationships, which is why he so often talks about friendship, right? Because he wants to make a real important distinction between a friend and somebody who just wants something from you. And so here he's kind of making this point that, you know, what, are you really going to give up leaving this life behind uh, just so that you can keep your clients? Is that one thing that you want to keep? Well, you know, they don't want anything from anything that is you, right? They want something from you, right? And there's a big difference here. And so don't be mistaken into thinking that there is any sort of real nourishment in the uh, in that kind of uh, professional worldly relationship when you could leave that behind in, in, in favor of a retirement with, with people who truly care about who you are, right? And he often makes this distinction because he would have been around all these kinds of people in, in, uh, in his public life who just wanted something from him, always trying to grab something from him. And he makes this this great analogy here, talking about the old man who changes his will, and the next day the people who call at his door are different, right? Or they move on uh, because there's nothing for them anymore. Uh, and so he's just making this point that, you know, don't be mistaken into thinking that you should stay behind just because there are people who want something from you. No, wouldn't you rather be around people who want who you actually are. 
And there's this powerful quote that he gives here. Great things cannot be bought for small sums. So reckon up whether it is preferable to leave your own true self or merely some of your belongings. And this, in my opinion, is equivalent to Seneca saying, be careful that you don't sell your soul to the devil, right? It's the same idea that so much of the time in our lives, we can make decisions based on something that we will get in return, as in more money, you know, a raise, a better job, or, um, you know, fame or, or power or anything like this, right? And the question is, uh, what makes you so sure that you're not losing your true self in the process? You know, that's, what it, that's why it's so difficult for people to make that step. For example, when they're in a job that they hate, it's so difficult for them to uh, leave that job and to go out into the world and, and to try and become something that is truly who they are, right? It's difficult because you're leaving behind these uh, attachments that you have to the material goods of the world and to the safety that they get or the, the appearance of safety that they give us, right? But what Seneca is saying here, it is much more important that you find your true self and be true to that than to have something in the external world like power, fame, money, etc. And let me make a relevant detour here because one of the key, uh, uh, I guess, themes that come up in Stoic writings is this idea that we are all slaves to something, right? Whether it is to money, whether it is to sex, whether it is to fame, whether it is to power, you know, we're all slaves to something in our life, right? And the thing is, if you can't see that you're enslaved by these things in your life, or at least enslaved by some things in your life, then that just makes it all the more likely that you might be almost too far gone, right? And uh, and so what Seneca is really pointing out to us here is be careful. Whenever you're leaving something behind in favor of a more meaningful, deep life or in favor of awakening the true self that lies within you, uh, you've got to be so careful uh, that the excuses that you come up with uh, are not merely the excuses given to you by those attachments that want to cling to you and enslave your soul, right? And so that's why he says, reckon up whether it is preferable to leave your own true self or merely some of your belongings. Uh, you know, man, it is so much more preferable to find your true self uh, than to be attached to those things that are enslaving you, right? And what makes this letter so interesting is that we see Seneca grappling with this very question. You know, he's had the fame, he's had the power, you know, he's had the influence, he's had the money, he's had it all. And now he's saying, you know, I need to leave this behind in favor of my true self. Right, and he's wrestling with that question. So anyway, I think that this is an appropriate place to put a pause on here, and we'll continue. We've made it up to verse 5, uh, and we'll continue in the next episode. So I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>